You're listening to the Recoveredish Podcast. I'm your host, licensed therapist, Amanda E. White. I am excited to bring you the second episode of how to decide if you want to have kids. And last episode, I shared a lot about my story, and we're going to get into questions and more tips um, that you all submitted to me, and also just some stories that you all shared that I think will help everyone maybe feel less alone. And if my words didn't totally resonate, hopefully some of these people's experiences will resonate with you. So before we get into questions, I thought it would be helpful for me to start out by sharing a message someone sent me anonymously that I think just really captures all of this. The person wrote, C.S. Lewis said, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. And then they add, trying to have a baby is vulnerable. Pregnancy is vulnerable. Miscarriage is vulnerable. Labor is vulnerable parenting is vulnerable, and it has been worth it for us every time. I think we know the whole process is so vulnerable, which is why I'm really proud of people my age or this generation for recognizing that they have a choice and being really mindful about that decision to have children. I think it's really, you know, while I think part of it is a lot of the struggles that have made having a child harder has made people second guess themselves, right? Like we talked a lot last week about just the costs, how things have changed in terms of just like from our parents' generation, climate change, lack of parental leave, how expensive childcare is, all of that kind of stuff, which definitely impacts decisions. But I also think that our generation is a lot more mindful about, like so many of you all reached out to me too, just saying, Like, I want to have a child, but I want to make sure that I don't pass on what was passed down to me. I want to make sure that I don't continue, you know, the cycle of trauma in my family. I want to be the one to break the cycle. And I don't know if I can, if I have kids. And I just think it's really moving and inspiring how many people are being really, really mindful about this decision. When I think our parents' generation or previous generations, for whatever reason, I think they didn't have as much choice. But they also weren't conscious of maybe all the ways that, you know, their parents' parenting impacted them. And I think what's interesting is a lot of our parents' generation really thought that, well, my parents hit me. So if I don't hit my kids, I'm a great parent. And as a lot of us know, that there's a lot more to being a great parent. I think not engaging in physical violence is a pretty low bar. So thinking about how can we not pass on emotional trauma, how can we deal with our mental health issues so that we can be the parents that we want to be. And I think that's it's just really inspiring. So kudos to you for even thinking about it, for wanting to be someone who breaks the cycle. I think there's a narrative, and some of you all said this, that if you're on the fence about having kids, it means you should not have kids, or it means that you're a bad parent. Where I actually think that having kids is a huge decision. I think a lot of people are not 100% sure about a lot of things in life. And that means that if you're questioning the decision, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have kids necessarily. It just means that you're trying to take your time and think through all of your options. While I understand the sentiment, I think people are saying it because they're like, if you're not sure, don't have kids because this is really, really hard. I get that sentiment. Because, yeah, I 
I mean, if you don't want to have children, it's not a fun thing to like, you know, caring for a child, being with your child, having a child dependent on you. It's really expensive. It's emotionally, physically really demanding. That's why I will advocate until, you know, the day I die for access to abortions because people deserve to choose this and no one should do this unless they want to. I also think we need to leave space for people to sit on the fence and question things. I also want to say I think deciding whether to have kids is really vulnerable and um, choosing not to have kids is really vulnerable too. It's going against what the what societal norms are. It is saying that I'm going to make a different choice. And I think that that is also vulnerable. Anytime we're doing something that isn't widely accepted or popular is going to be a vulnerable. And I wanted to by reading a quote from Cheryl Strayed. If you don't know who Cheryl Strayed is, I'll link her book. She has a couple books, but this specifically, she used to write a column called Dear Sugar. It became a book. He talks about whether he should have kids or not. And she gives a beautiful answer. And this is one of my favorite quotes and metaphors from it. So she says, I'll never know, and neither will you, about the life you didn't choose. We'll only know that whatever that sister life was, it was important and beautiful and not ours. It was the ghost ship that didn't carry us. There's nothing to do but salute it from the shore. So I just love this metaphor of ghost ships, of paths we didn't take in our life, and how it is this sister path that we will never know. And I think it's really important to also talk about the grief of that. You know, people talk about grief often of in things that we want, right? Like we hear grief of wanting children, but not being able to have children. Or, um, you know, obviously the most common type of grief we talk about is death. But I also think that there is a lot of grief even in when we get things we do want, the grief over change and the grief over a life that we don't choose, that we never get to experience. You know, I think if you end up deciding you don't want kids, there is going to be grief with that, even if it's the right choice for you. There is going to be the grief of you will potentially never know that type of love that people are talking about. I don't know for sure whether that is a real thing or whether it's just what people who have children say, but you will never know that experience, right, of having a child. If you are a, you know, a person with a uterus and the potential to carry children, if you end up deciding not to have biological children, you can't have biological children and you end up doing something else, there will be grief, right, in like never having the experience potentially of pregnancy. It might be something you don't want and you're thrilled about. So I'm trying not to be reductionist in my language. But there is grief in all the different experiences that we don't get that I think is really important to honor and acknowledge because for most, the life of a parent is going to be fundamentally different from the life of someone who doesn't become a parent. It will impact friendships. It will impact relationships. It doesn't mean those things will end, but it does impact your life. It's a very major decision. And I think that there is this misconception that if you are getting what you want or doing what you want, you will never feel sadness or regret. 
but a lot of times there still is, or it wouldn't have been a hard decision, right? Like if it was an easy decision, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast probably, or you wouldn't have had a hard time with the choice, so you would have just done it. And that's true for other things also. Like I think in relationships, even in jobs, in situations, just because you know it's the right thing to do doesn't mean there isn't going to be sadness or emotion there. In the same breath, there is grief to becoming a parent, to choosing to have children, because again, your life is going to be fundamentally different than you thought. It might be a little easier because it is the norm, statistically still in the world, it is the norm that people with partners have children. Most people do have children. There is grief over how your life could have looked if you didn't have child. There is grief over how your life would have looked without a child. There may be grief over thinking that you can't just pick up and move anywhere like you could have before. Um, There may be grief in freedom. There may be grief in how you won't be able to travel like you had wanted to or have certain, you know, be able to spend your money in a certain way. There may be grief over your body or sleeping or other things. And again, just because you feel that way doesn't mean that it's the wrong choice or you shouldn't have a child. And I think this kind of goes back to what I was talking about in episode two, which is that, right, anxiety is not the same thing as your gut instinct. The other thing that I want to say is that often we can get very caught up in there being a fundamentally quote unquote right decision. I think that where we can get caught in this idea that there is one objective right decision and we just need to dig deep enough inside of our soul to figure it out. And I would challenge you with a different perspective. That is, there is the decision that you make at the time with the information that you have. And unfortunately, if you get new information, it may change your opinion. But you, all you can do is gather as much information as you can at the time and take the best course of action. You cannot predict the future. You cannot discover, you can't know something you don't know, right? You fundamentally cannot know what it is like to have a child without having a child. You just can't. And I think that's a really hard thing to come to terms with. And it's why I'm really like, I'm really glad that we're talking about this and that people are making more thoughtful choices and really thinking about their decision to have kids. I feel like this is a pretty fundamental difference from older generations where it was just assumed that you have children. And um, I think that it really shows a lot of growth that a lot of people are really thinking about how they can be good parents, whether they have the capacity for that, what that looks like, and trying to do better and break the cycle. So now for the rest of the episode, I am going to read off some questions you all asked me and answer them and also share some of my insights. So let's get into it. Thing two is that, and one one of the therapists that works for me, shout out to Leah, said this when we were doing group supervision today, is there are so many unknowns when it comes to having children. That is what's certain, is all the unknowns. And for those of us that like to plan and organize and stuff like that, it's really, really hard to deal with the unknowns. But the unknown is not inherently bad or scary. 
it is just unknown. Often we do tend to think unknowns equals bad. But just because you don't know how your body will change after pregnancy, for example, you don't know if you will be able to have children, for example, you don't know whether you will love being a parent, for example, doesn't mean that it will be bad. It is just something that is unknown. And I think that one thing that I wish someone would have told me is that social media really tends to highlight the extreme sides of the spectrum. You see people crying excited over getting their dream job and you hear people complaining and wanting to quit about their job. Most people's jobs are not extremely high and extremely low. Most people have good days and bad days, ups and downs. It's monotonous. I think the same is true with parenting and most things. We only see, right, like the crying, excitement, obsession, over the moon joy of becoming pregnant or giving birth or the extreme lows, crying, distraught over being super sleep deprived and the baby won't sleep um, and all of those types of you know low moments when you want to quit or you want to give up. I think a lot of parenthood is ups and downs and minutia and can be like there are some boring parts to it just like anything else. So I would try not to make your decision based on extreme highs and lows and instead try to make your decision based on whether you actually want to be a parent, whether you actually want a child who will become an adult in your life. Because I think a lot of times too, I know when I was trying to make the choice that people said that I would just have baby fever and that never happened for me. But most like every – that's what's so crazy about having a kid is like every phase is different. And some people hate the newborn phase. Some people love it. Some people love when they're – like love babies. Some people do really well with teen years. Like there's so much change that happens as the child grows up. And it is okay to not love every single phase of it and not be good at every single phase. But that's okay because – You're not just having a baby to have a baby. Most people, if you had to have a baby for the rest of your life, would never get a baby. You are having a child that will grow into an adult. You are becoming a parent. And I think that wanting that journey is what's most important. How to get past the anxiety about bringing a child into the world when it seems to have so much more risk and potential for trauma than when we were children. I appreciate the world has never been perfect, but the rise of social media and the internet terrifies me for a child. Um, I totally agree and get your anxiety. And I think that's what's really hard about this question is that your fears are completely valid. I think that it's really interesting – Um, being someone who it feels like if you're a millennial, you were kind of raised to grow up in a world that doesn't exist now. Um, We were not raised in a world where anyone could imagine us having iPhones or social media or the internet the way that it is. And now here we are. And there are a lot of risks and there's a lot of unknowns. Um, I do think, as you kind of alluded to, the world has been historically unsafe. If you think about during World War I, World War II, you know, all kinds of times you can point to there are like people are living longer on average. And um, it's really hard to know though, like what the mental health impacts of things were back then to compare to now because people didn't talk about mental health, you know, a few 
more than a few decades ago, and so there isn't really good research out there. I think research in general is also really hard because if you kind of do some research around, I don't know if any of you all know this, but there was a book that came out around 2015 where um, a man named Steve Pinker was arguing that the world was safer, but some people have kind of debunked that. Some people disagree. It's really hard when looking at research because it really, like data can be manipulated and changed. So, um, you know, it's it's really hard to know. And um, I think there is a lot going on in the world right now. It's also really hard with social media because it makes us see how many terrible things are going on in the world all at once where other people used to be more shielded from it. So I get the argument that people say, I've thought about it too, is it selfish? I think it's not selfish one way or another. I think that's what's so hard about the word selfish is People will say women who don't have kids are selfish. And then if you're bringing kids into this world, you're also selfish. And I think when there's so many contradictory beliefs about that, it's clear that there isn't like one way isn't selfish and one way isn't. I think that there, you can kind of argue anything is selfish. I think the anxiety is real and it is going to be something you would have to deal with. The second you decide to try to have a kid, the anxiety level is different there. I mean, you are constantly always going to be worried about your child dying. And I don't think that that was also something – I mean, again, maybe I'm wrong because I wasn't a parent 20 or 30, 40 years ago, whatever. But um, it is just a common thing to be worried about your child dying. Parents always talk about wanting their kids to outlive them. So I don't think that that is an entirely new concept. It just manifests differently now with social media and our access to the world and like the very real, especially in the United States, strife that has been happening, pandemic, all sorts of things. So I don't really have an answer for you. I think how you feel is valid. I think it's going to come back to you and whether you want to have children and whether um, you feel like you can handle that anxiety or not. But what I can say is that I do think almost everything you love comes with anxiety of losing it. Even a relationship, a job, other things, people in your life, your family, your, your friends, loving someone or something so much always comes with inherent anxiety about losing it because it is vulnerable to love someone or something so much. So I don't really have a nice, tidy answer for you. I think it's really hard. I think climate change is terrifying. I think all of the things going on are terrifying. And I think it's hard to know, really. I know people, like I said, say that research says that the world's getting safer, but it's hard to know statistically if that's true. And everyone has a different has different things that they care about. So one of them is, I know I want kids, but I do have a fear of postpartum depression and anxiety because my mental health is very much triggered by hormonal changes. How do I balance that and not let fear win? Great question. Glad that you understand that it is based on fear. Um, I think that we don't know the difference between fear and genuinely not wanting to. And I do think that it's good that you know that you're triggered by hormonal changes. Not everyone does. What I would say is as much as you can before having kids, work on your mental health now. Try to build up like a bank of mental stability, so to speak, of learning about yourself, building some good habits, 
taking care of yourself mentally so that you will be in a more stable place once you go into that very vulnerable spot of pregnancy. Then once you're pregnant, try to continue the those things that are helping you as much as possible. That might mean staying on meds if you talk to your doctor about that and that's something you all decide is what you – and continue to build those habits in pregnancy knowing that that postpartum period is going to be hard. And you kind of try to do everything you can like – Get in therapy before you get pregnant. Stay in therapy during pregnancy so that when you go through that period of time in postpartum where you may not be able to have time to see a therapist, you have tools and skills built up beforehand. So yeah, I mean, I think it's also just really hard because I just don't know. I thought for sure I would have postpartum anxiety and depression and I ended up not having it even though I had pretty significant birth trauma. But I... I had really, really bad pregnancy depression. So I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying it just that you have no idea. The best thing you can do to prepare is to work on your mental health now, to try to find a support system, therapy through meds, like try to find all the tools that you can so that when you do go through those hormonal changes, um, you are going to be in a better spot. And I would try to remember too that just because you're at more risk for your mental health not being good – does not mean the worst case scenario will happen to you. So one question says, how do you navigate wanting kids someday and then having, for example, a great vacation and being happy you don't have kids? I feel selfish. I love this question. I think this is really common and I think it really illuminates an important idea about the pressure that is put on people to decide to have kids. Let me explain. If you are on vacation and you have a thought of, oh my God, I love this vacation. I'm so glad I'm not at work right now. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't work or you hate your job. You are allowed to have moments of feeling grateful that you don't have something. So I think context really matters in this situation. For example, do I have thoughts sometimes that I wish I could sleep in, but I can't because of my child? Yes. Absolutely. But does this mean that I would give her up to be able to sleep in? No. For me, and I think for a lot of parents who go into this mindfully choosing this, wanting this, recognize that there will be sacrifices, but the short-term sacrifices are worth the long-term benefits. Another person touched on something similar saying that they're terrified they'll be resentful of their kids when they're young and they worry that they'll mess them up. I think it's important to remember that resentment is not only geared towards kids. When you feel resentment, it is typically a sign that there is a need that isn't being met in your life. And you could be resentful of your partner because they aren't taking on the adequate split of parenting. You could feel resentful at your friends who can afford childcare where maybe you can't afford the same level of childcare. You can be resentful of the government that doesn't offer paid maternity leave or your job's policies and their lack of flexibility with you being able to parent the way you want to parent. There are all different types of resentments that can form and it is not always towards your child. So some things you aren't going to be able to change like current policies and things like that. Something you you do have more influence over, like with your partner, like maybe talking to them or trying to figure out a way to get childcare that is more affordable. You could get a new job that may have better policies and more flexibility and things like that. So there are ways that you can deal with resentment that don't just involve 
harboring it against your kids. Another question reads, I'm a therapist and my specialty is in maternal mental health, but I'm afraid I won't be able to help myself if I experience postpartum depression or anxiety. How do I cope with this? Well, I am also a therapist. I don't specialize in maternal mental health, but I experienced very intense I experienced very intense depression and anxiety while I was pregnant. And it is a very surreal thing to be able to help others but not be able to help yourself. It's really hard and overwhelming. And I've experienced maybe I'm more familiar with this than you just because I had a pretty raging addiction. I had an eating disorder and I got into recovery and I became a therapist where obviously you've never, it sounds like, had a child before. So you're walking into this a little bit differently. But it is always wild to me how much we can help other people, but that does not mean that we can help ourselves necessarily. And it is so clear to me why you can't be your own therapist. So I think it's important to look at your risk factors with postpartum anxiety and depression or pregnancy depression and anxiety. There are things you can do to prepare for this and to make your mental health better. And those are my recommendations to follow so that you can prepare yourself best. I think it's also important to really give yourself grace and compassion and understanding because there are so many factors, as you know, that influence maternal mental health. And a lot of those factors are outside of our control. And you don't know how it's going to go for you. You have no idea. So I would try to also go into it taking the pressure off, recognizing that your mental health during this process is not an indicator of how good of a therapist you are just because you specialize in this population. And a really clear way to reaffirm this point is just because someone is an obstetrician and delivers babies doesn't mean that they are going to have a perfect birth necessarily because there are factors outside of their control. They can do everything that they tell patients to do But at the end of the day, there are a lot of factors that you cannot control. All right, this was another great question that came in. Are there any ways to handle maternal or paternal feelings without being a parent? Yes. You can absolutely feel love towards a child, have maternal, paternal feelings, and not want to be a parent or not choose to be a parent. I think that the world really needs more adult figures that like and take an interest in kids. I hope my child, besides me and my husband, has other adults in her life who she loves and who feel very parent-like towards her, have that love towards her. So yeah, I think that that is a very good way to channel those feelings. I think ideas for that are if you have nieces or nephews, I think that's one of the best things. I think it's so... I love the social media trend about being like a rich auntie, about, you know, like wanting to spoil and take care of your nieces and nephews and be a big important part of their life. I think you can also volunteer and you could spend time with kids that way. They have big brothers, big sisters programs. There's other volunteer programs. You could teach a class or do something that you love and share it with kids as well. You could get involved in your friends' children's lives and support them. You So I think there are a lot of ways you can channel those feelings without necessarily having a child. The next question is, miscarriages run in my family. 
How do I deal with being excited for a pregnancy test without getting my hopes up in case? Is it okay to just be positive when you find out? This is such a good question. I think there is so much secrecy and hiding and not wanting to tell people when you find out that you're pregnant because that is kind of the societal norm because there is still, I don't know the statistics off my head, but there is a good probability that you can have a miscarriage in the first trimester, like those first 12 weeks. So it is a norm that people don't tell everyone initially. And especially if miscarriages run in your family, you are probably statistically more likely to have a miscarriage. That being said, though, there are a couple of reasons why I don't like the idea of having to hide it and you have to temper your expectations. One, I think there is this idea sometimes that we feel like our thoughts can control outcomes. We think sometimes that if we let our guard down and allow ourselves to be happy, it means something bad will happen. We can really get stuck in our minds thinking that we have this false sense of control over a situation through worrying. Worrying gives us a false sense of control. So we think that if we stop worrying, something bad will happen because the worrying is doing something. But the worrying is not. It is this false sense of control, like I said. When you worry and think you're controlling the situation or you think a ritual or something you're doing is helping you control a situation, this is a phenomenon that we call magical thinking. We think that we have more power than we do in a certain situation. And the more you do a ritual or worry compulsively, the more you think that you have control over that situation and the harder it is to stop. So that's one thing that I think happens where women or individuals who, when they get pregnant, they think that if they wait till the right time to announce or they wait to not get their hopes up, that pregnancy has a higher probability of being viable and that's not true. So that's one thing. (laughs) So the other thing too is if we don't believe that it's doing anything, We then think, okay, well, I can't get my hopes up because if something, if it doesn't work out, then I'm going to be disappointed. To which I would say, you are going to be disappointed regardless. And you not getting your hopes up isn't going to prevent you from feeling all of the grief and the loss and however you feel if you do have a miscarriage. So all you're really doing is robbing yourself of that joy, of that moment, because you may not have a miscarriage. And if you don't allow yourself to get excited until later on, you are going to miss some of your pregnancy being excited. You are going to miss that moment maybe of being excited and sharing with your partner. So I'm not saying you have to do that, but it's something to consider. And I don't think – it sounds like you are excited about being pregnant or you want to be excited if you get pregnant – And I don't think you should rob yourself of that joy just because miscarriage runs in your family and you're nervous about it. And, you know, it's one thing if you don't want to post on social media or you don't want to tell certain people in your life because you don't want to have to deal with the aftermath of telling someone that you had a miscarriage. I think that makes a ton of sense and is an important thing that you might want to do to protect yourself. Because it can be, I think, really devastating, especially if people have multiple losses to be posting and then people follow up with you about it and then you have to tell them or if you feel the need to constantly update your social media, you post you got pregnant, then you post you had a miscarriage. It's a lot to be informing people about. 
So that is a very valid reason to not necessarily announce. That is distinct, though, from not being excited, right? Not posting or sharing publicly is different than not letting yourself be excited. You can not post and share publicly and still be excited. Both of those things can be true. On the other hand, it might make sense for you to tell certain important people in your life because if you do have a miscarriage, you may want them to be in your corner. You may want them to be able to support you. You may want them to be able to check up on you. And it's easier sometimes to say you had a miscarriage if someone knew you were pregnant than hide the whole thing. And then you never share that you were pregnant and you never share that you have a miscarriage. And people that love you and want to support you in your life don't have the opportunity to do that. So for example, I told people immediately, my closest friends, because I knew that if something happened, I wanted them to be able to be there. I wanted to be able to share that with them and update them versus being like, oh, well, I didn't tell them I was pregnant, so it doesn't make sense to tell them that I had a miscarriage. The final thing that I want to say is that if you are someone who has a history of shame or you're prone to shame, sometimes hiding things can trigger feelings of shame, even if the thing you're hiding isn't shameful. It just might be naturally connected in your brain that when you hide things, you feel icky. So that might not be the case for you, but it is something to think about because a lot of women who have miscarriages do feel shame. It is one of the reasons why miscarriage is not widely talked about. It's starting to turn a little bit, but it is still a pretty secretive thing. It's only really with social media, more individuals have started coming out and sharing that they've had this experience. So when no one talks about it, it can lead us to feel like there is something shameful about it. It's really sad to me how individuals are blamed for having miscarriages as if it is their fault and they can control it. Most miscarriages, the vast majority of miscarriages happen because there is a genetic problem with the fetus that makes it not viable. The fetus would not live. So no matter what the person did, the fetus wouldn't live. It's out of their control. So I think though, because of the shame, because of the hiding, then people feel like it's their fault. They don't talk about it. And it just becomes this really like dark hole of a situation where if people aren't talking about it, it's not normalized. It's more likely to cause shame and people feel like it's their fault. As someone who's been pregnant, I can say there's so much shame and blame placed on women, so much pressure to make sure you eat the right thing, make sure you avoid certain things, make sure you take care of yourself, but you don't push yourself too hard. Make sure you eat enough, but don't eat too much. Don't gain too much weight. Make sure that you go to your doctor's appointments, but don't freak out. Don't be too worried. You know, Don't be stressed about your baby, but care about your baby being okay. It is just this insane double bind mindfuck. And never in my life, and I'm going to do a whole episode on pregnancy, But never in my life have I felt so objectified and also felt so much responsibility for something I didn't have control over and people trying to pick apart all of the potential things that could be my fault, even if you have a healthy baby. So all this to say, I think pregnancy and miscarriage is so vulnerable I think you don't know how you're going to feel. Everyone needs to do whatever works for them and is best for them. If you want to share and get excited about your pregnancy and that's natural for you, 
do that. If you are afraid and you feel the need to kind of keep it close to your vest and you don't want to tell people, do that. If you want to share it with certain people and not share it online, do that too. But at the end of the day, it's your experience and you need to do what you feel comfortable with. The next question is, my partner doesn't feel ready, but I do. Any advice on how to get on the same page? So I think if this is just a question of timing and it's not about one of you wanting a child and one of you not, I think it is important to understand why your partner doesn't feel ready. Is there a specific reason that your partner wants to wait? Are there things that they feel like they need to do in their career? Do they feel like you all need to save money? Do they feel like there are travel goals or other things that they really want to do before becoming a parent? Or is it that they're scared? I think if there are certain things, I think that's a very reasonable feeling about it. And there may be restriction based on your age, based on what your goals are in parenthood, whether you want to make sure that you're a certain age when you're a parent, whether it is also maybe you're influenced by your friends having kids right now or siblings having kids and you wanting to be part of that and have your children or child grow up with them. So I think trying to understand what both of your reasons are and trying to find a reasonable compromise in the middle. That being said, for other people, it is a big deal and some couples don't agree on whether they want to have children and that's really, really hard. And the final question I'm going to answer on today's episode is, what was your deciding factor for having kids? Any regrets so far? So my deciding factor was really that I wanted to. I felt like it was illogical. There were a lot of reasons not to, but at the end of the day, I just felt like I really wanted to be a parent. I wasn't obsessed with the idea of babies, but I really wanted to be able to parent a child and have a consistent child in my life, especially because I don't have nieces or nephews yet. I don't know if I will have them. And I, my, my child right now is the only grandparent, is the only grandchild on both sides, on my husband's side and my side. And that was also a factor in something that I, I really wanted to be able to see my parents enjoy and spend time with a grandchild. Um, my husband also really wanted to have a child too. And I felt like that was really important. I don't, I don't think we would have not stayed together if we didn't have a child. It wasn't that much of a deal breaker. Um, but I did really enjoy the idea of getting to see him as a dad and getting to see him interact with our child specifically. <clears throat> so it's it's a weird thing about when you have a child because all of a sudden after you've had your child, it's really hard to regret things in your life because anything you would change kind of before having children could have been different if – how do I say this? It's really hard to regret anything before you had a child because everything up to that point let, led you to having that child. Like initially I would say th – I would want to say I wish we would have waited because I got pregnant immediately after we moved. We 
were living in Airbnbs because our house was not finished and we couldn't live there. So it was really, really hard being sick and miserable and not sleeping in my own bed, for example, for eight months, which is a story for another day. Um, But right, if we would have waited, I wouldn't have the child that I have now. So it's really interesting how your brain kind of changes with that. And it's really interesting, I think, for myself too, because I am someone or used to be someone who was obsessed with the idea of redoing things because I'm such a perfectionist. I was really obsessed with the idea of when something didn't turn out. I I was the type of kid that when I didn't do well on a test or a paper, I would imagine being able to go back in time and redo it. So it is interesting how that's kind of switched for me since having a child. Um, Yeah, but I think that's like my one thing is I don't actually regret it, but I wish I could have had more time. It was really, really stressful. We didn't move into our house until um, eight weeks before the baby was due, and then she came three weeks early, so we were only in our house a month. So as you can imagine, it was really hard to set everything up in a short period of time. I ha- I feel feelings of regret over the birth and things that happened. And I think to myself, if I would have done this differently or that differently, would it have maybe happened a different way? And I will get in – I'm going to do an episode on my birth story. But again, it's like she's here. She's safe. I'm safe. That's really what feels like matters, although the experience of birth really matters. I I think I'm going to cut that out. But to answer, you know, in terms of regrets, I think the other thing you're asking, right, is do I regret having a child? I absolutely don't. I love her so much more than I expected to love her, especially as someone who did not feel super connected when I was pregnant and was pretty depressed my whole pregnancy. I had a lot of fears and concerns about bonding with her. Um, And that is not the case at all. I love her so much and I can't really imagine my life without her now. And that is one of the weird things I think that often flips after you have a child and it's why it is so hard for people to – who have kids, I think, to explain why they have kids, to explain why they love kids, and um, to talk to people who are more on the fence. Because I think this switch kind of flips in your brain because you love your child so much, you can't imagine not having them, that you can forget, or I think some people maybe forget how long they were on the fence for because they feel bad. So I'm trying to be really honest and upfront about it so that you can hear both sides of the spectrum. I promise you not all of my episodes are going to be about motherhood, but I do think this is an important topic. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot. It's something that I think isn't talked about a lot, which is why I've done these two episodes and I'm going to do a couple more episodes. Um, I'm going to do one on my pregnancy experience. I'm going to talk a lot about body change and all of that too. I'm going to talk about my postpartum experience and I'm going to talk about my birth story as well. So you may not want to listen to all of them. I will have trigger warnings and explain, you know, cautions of maybe if you, who should or isn't a good candidate to listen. Um, But I hope that these help and 
I do think it's a really – I do wish more people talked about the weeds of it. And I think that that's important. So this podcast by no means is going to only be about motherhood, but I think that there are quite a few episodes that I need to do. I'm not going to necessarily do them all in a row, so you all have some variety. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up about that. And if there's a specific topic around motherhood that you would really like me to cover, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me on Instagram or email me at amanda at amandaewhite.com. And I will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. To suggest an episode topic or support my work, visit amandaewhite.com. If you're interested in getting therapy from my practice, visit therapyforwomencenter.com. We're based in Philadelphia, but we have therapists serving 27 states across the country. 